retool is that, right? Re retool is the ability to take that function uh, that we were putting people on and build it in a more effective, more efficient way, uh, lower cost to the, to, the, to, the, to the company, and ultimately allows engineers to then sort of reallocate their time. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Noel and joining me today is Sneer Kodesh. Sneer is the head of engineering at Retool um, and he's kind of here to talk to us about Retool and what it is and what it's built with. Um, how's it going, Sneer? It's going great. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we got a, a bunch to talk about, um, but before we dig in, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you found yourself at Retool? Yeah, absolutely. Um Let's see where to begin. I won't. I won't bore you with the very beginning, but uh, suffice it to say, I've always been a very product and, and business-minded engineer. Uh, I've always been uh, really excited about technology, but also, frankly, more excited about the impact that technology and specifically software uh, can have. The the sort of scale uh, and the efficient scale that software provides, and obviously, we've seen it completely change change the world. Uh, I'll, I'll keep this as short as I can, but very briefly, I. Uh, had, had founded companies. I've worked in in consumer. I've worked in enterprise, and and I'm saying all this to to lead us to retool. Um, to me, what what brought me to retool is is really two distinct things. Uh, one, as an engineer, I've always been uh, more of a more of a back end engineer, to be totally honest, more of a server side SWE. Uh, and my front end skill set was never that great. I, I jokingly say that I'm probably one of the worst front end engineers you've ever met. Uh, and so retool is is transformative for me in that it can completely complement my skill set. Uh, and, and allow me to, to take a, a lot of what I'm good at and, and bring it to a client side experience, which is, which is really cool. Uh, and the second thing, which is somewhat correlated is having built orgs, um, you know, before retool, I was running a, a large part of Lyft's engineering team. Uh, and we actually spun up, a internal tools team, a, a health team really for our marketplace. So the marketplace function owned dispatch and matching and pricing and sort of a lot of the large, uh, computational systems at Lyft. And we spun up this team called Marketplace Health, which was all about helping those engines operate more efficiently. Uh, and when I think about what that was, right, it was about taking these large systems, um, taking raw logs from them, massaging that data, uh, effectively doing ETL on the fly, loading that data into a, a schema that could be interpreted and then building tools on top, building visualizations on top of them. Uh, and so when I thought about what I had done and, and the degree of sort of operational efficiency and financial efficiency that that created for Lyft, understanding those systems better, uh, driving more efficiencies, improving filters, improving decision-making. Uh, it really, Retool is that, right? Re Retool is the ability to take that function uh, that we were putting people on and build it in a more effective, more efficient way, uh, lower cost to the, to, the, to, the, to the company, and ultimately allows engineers to then sort of reallocate their time. Uh, and that's something I, I care deeply about, right? Making, making people more efficient. Uh, and so that 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 brought me to to Retool, and I'm I'm excited to be here. Nice, awesome, awesome. What was what was the timeline like? Where was where was Retool at when you when you joined? Yeah, uh, so I joined about a year and a half ago. Uh, at the time, I, I still I still it's crazy to think about. We were 13 engineers. Um, now, it, credit to Retool and credit to our founders. Uh, Retool went really really far with very very few people, which is sort of a in, in a really big testament to the team. Um, when I joined, you know the the product that we have today, the UI builder was in a, in a place that's not that dissimilar. You know, we've improved it massively in the year and a half that I've been here, but, but fundamentally it was the same product. It was about how you could build UIs for internal tools lightning fast, right? So on the order of 
45 minutes to two hours, you could have a, a UI spun up and, and a lot of the repetitious tasks that would have otherwise gone into building uh, an internal tool or web app were, were abstracted and taken care of for you. Um, we were just getting started with a lot of the new product launches that we've since layered uh, adjacent to the core UI builder. So uh, retool database um, and retool workflows, which we're really, really excited about by along with retool mobile. Uh, so those were sort of way pre-product. Um, and then a lot of the efficiencies that we've provided, a lot of the incremental abstractions, the uh, re-imaging of the component library, the new debug tools, and really up-leveling that experience, that's obviously all uh, been new in the last year and a half. Um, but I think there were directionally, you, you could see where Retool was going uh, when I joined. And, and again, powerful, powerful mission there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I remember some of those early... Um like you know hacker news launch threads and, and stuff and it was kind of like that this this there's there were quite a few players in this space but there was a lot of excitement kind of around um just the the um i don't know the, the, maybe the direction that retool was going doesn't feel like quite the right term but just the way in which uh like their approach to the problem was set kind of their perspective on how to solve it i mean i think that kind of has led to a lot of the excitement around the tool. But to kind of frame that a little better, give us give us your, I don't know, like two or three minute explanation on what Retool is for listeners that may have like no, no context whatsoever. So we like to say Retool is a way to build apps at the speed of thought. Uh, and by that, what we're really getting at is that um, with Retool, you can build internal tools uh, with a fraction of the investment in time or effort uh, that you would have otherwise had to do. So we we abstract the component library, we abstract, abstract state management, we abstract uh, event handling, we abstract all these sort of audit logging and security and integrations work that you would normally have had to do uh, historically and, and sort of counterfactually. Uh, and you can really focus on the value, on, on, on the layout, on the UI, um, and on the un- underlying data sources, and, uh, and obviously on that point, we're, we're going to provide additional tooling, as I mentioned, uh, with workflows with RetoolDB. Uh, so it is a way to build tools very quickly that help your business uh, operate more effectively. Nice, awesome. That that sounds that sounds very broad, right? So like someone coming in naively, um, say, say you're at you know like a, a typical startup and you have some kind of pseudo ETL processes. Say you've got like your typical backend service. It has a job where it's like uploading a bunch of data to some da- uh, database that um, is then like people are taking and doing some pretty rudimentary analytics on, or, you know, watching the numbers go up. How does Retool kind of help with those workflows or why might, why might one want to introduce a tool like it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, even if we take that example, we can sort of split that up into at least the two distinct and maybe even three distinct jobs to be done that you sort of described there. Uh, the first is the sort of computational work, right? The the ETL, um, the processing of data, uh, querying it sort of in its raw form, uh, massaging it, and then landing it sort of in a in a data store or data warehouse of some sort. Uh, and if you think about that, um, traditionally you would have had to go out and build sort of those connectors natively. You would have to obviously written the queries, which you still have to do in Retool, admittedly. Uh, but then you would have had to run those uh, and ensure that you're running those successfully. Um, so you know retry logic, success and failure handling. Um, then uh, all, all the sort of logic for the ETL, which includes uh, you know filters of some sort, 
conditionals, branch factors, some sort of control flow for your ETL, right? And you know something like Airflow is, is pretty good at that. Um, which again, we believe that there's actually a better way to do it in an abstracted way. So with Retool, and again, specifically the Workflows product, um, we manage the entire control flow flow for you, uh, which gives you sort of guaranteed transition through the different states of your of your ETL. Uh, we also um, help you visualize it, right? And and then finally, we give uh, some really nice abstraction. So you think about um, looping through an object repetitiously, um, constructs like just conditional forks. Um, a lot of those represented visually can actually be more efficient and more effective. Um, and you can really just focus on sort of the, the business logic. I, I think an interesting parallel here in some ways is sort of Python notebooks, where you know, a, a data scientist working in a Python notebook will really just focus on the individual steps, but the notebook takes care of all the the orchestration for it. Uh, and so, with retool workflows, we're we're again taking care of all the orchestration uh, and all of the again the state management, anything related to sort of needing to retry or, or or managing sort of success and failure scenarios. So that's that's one side, which is again on the ETL side, um, and then you've got the visual part, which is building the actual dashboard. Uh, so if you were to go and sort of build that dashboard in in React, you would have to go build your own React components. Um, you'd have to obviously manage the entire layout for those. Uh, you'd also have to wire up the entire app. You'd have to use Redux or something for, for managing internal state. Uh, and you'd have to go build all the connectors now to your data warehouse where you, where you landed that data. Um, and so with Retool, what have we taken away? Well, we've taken away the entire component library in the sense that you don't have to do that work. It's literally just a library on the right-hand panel. You can drag a, a component and it, it sort of works out of the box. Uh, we've taken care of all the logic, again, of, of state management. Um, event handling is a great example. You click on a button that needs to do something or um, data changes out from under you and you need to refresh it. Um, traditionally, you would have had to code all that logic up. It's really, really simple with one click, basically 30 seconds of time, you get that for free. Um, and then on the integrations point, um, also really, really fast. Uh, so we have 50 or so, I think maybe 50 to 60 connectors out of the box, everything ranging from uh, your own APIs, RESTful or uh, gRPC, uh, GraphQL endpoints, um, data stores directly if you wanted to do that, and then obviously data warehouses directly if you, if you want to do that as well, which means that you can really just focus on you know, making sure that your query is correct and then the data just shows up. Um, and so the benefit in terms of why you'd want to introduce that into the org is that the overhead of everything that we sort of discuss that sits behind the retool abstraction uh, is really, really expensive, not just to build, but also to maintain. Uh, and so we effectively take that off the hands of, of the engineer. A tool, again, gets spun up in 30 minutes, not three weeks, um, which allows you to just fundamentally do more with less. Nice. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um... When you guys are, I guess, do you find that a lot of um, customers or you know users coming in that they have they have some of this logic kind of built out already and whatever whatever their language of choice is or their pipeline, and they've grown frustrated with it or there's been shortcomings with it and that's why they're coming to Retool or is it a lot of users coming in um, like you know more greenfield with net new problems that they're trying to solve. Yeah, it's actually it's both, which which is one of the things that I I sort of love about about our business, right? I think if you look at the state of internal tools broadly, um, they are critical to a business. Even that example that you mentioned, like you know, if I if I take that to the limit, that's how a company learns how well it's doing, right? Having really good dashboarding and a good understanding of sort of um, its its fundamentals in terms of its data 
uh, allows it to push in the right places, ask questions in the right places, so on and so forth. And yet, you know, in industry, this tends to be sort of a, a neglected part of the of the of the stack, both uh, in terms of people, uh, which ultimately lends to resources. The tools also sort of like bloat incredibly, and and maintenance becomes really expensive. So what we see with a lot of our customers that have a pre-existing tool that they're looking to port over into Retool is that um, the incremental change uh, to add a new feature to that tool has become incredibly burdensome. Nobody's a domain or owner. It's cruft on cruft on cruft, um, and it's really hard to iterate on it. And so they will they will bring that and actually effectively refactor it within Retool. Um, and you know I, I know I didn't mention this in the description, but uh, you can literally build anything in Retool because you can write arbitrary JavaScript in Retool. Um, if you have pre-existing components that you want to bring into Retool, our component library isn't just some static set. We have the ability to import React components in code, uh, and we run those in a in a sort of secure iframe in a sandbox to to make sure that we are uh, not letting people have access to uh, Retool internals and potentially internal malicious actors to do you know weird sort of phishing schemes or, or get access to data that they shouldn't. But uh, it's it's really quite powerful that we have sort of a rich set of abstractions that are available to you arm's length, but fundamentally you're completely unconstrained in Retool. You can write JavaScript anywhere. You can bring React, and, and we're also sort of expanding, especially for that workflows product, expanding into other languages over time. Um, so it, it fits both purposes, and, and the cool thing with folks who are bringing in pre-existing tools is that they can actually occasionally just borrow code directly, right? If there are components that they love, they can bring those in. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Oh yeah, yeah, I think it did. It did so beautifully. So do you guys find that the, the, uh, I don't know, the champions, um, in your, uh, for in, in like customers, um, organizations are typically developers or are they, are they the kind of end users of a lot of these, these dashboards like the, you know, I think the strongest champion is the developer. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, if we were to have built a product that end users love because they get more tools, but developers hate using, guess what? The developers won't do it, right? And and what we find is that even if there is sort of clamoring for more internal tools from the end user, uh, from sort of the ops agent that might not be able to uh, write code, write SQL, um, ultimately that feeds back onto, you know, traditionally the product roadmap for that internal tools team. Uh, but the engineer, the developer won't, engage in behaviors that that don't suit them. Uh, and so our biggest champions and our customers, first and foremost, are those builders. Um, we deeply care about the end user, to be clear, and we make sure that Retool is uh, performant for the end users. Again, there's some really interesting stuff there in terms of we find that end users tend to have uh, different hardware than builders, right? Um, a lot of engineers have, you know, whatever the latest MacBook Pro rolling off the line is, uh, whereas you'll see Chromebooks, right, in sort of the long tail of, of support workflows. Uh, and because Retool is, is sort of running deeply in the browser, uh, you see performance uh, skews there. And so we really care about that end user and we want to make sure Retool is performant for them. But our primary customer, our primary champion is the builder. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. I like, I like that, that term, uh, like ops agent, like whoever. It's, it's probably hard when you're, when you're developing uh, tooling kind of that is at this layer of abstraction in that there's the, the, the persona, persona of the user can be so varied. Is that is that challenging at all? Like, is it hard to say to you know design um, sensible like UI defaults and stuff for those end users, um, or you know like uh, templates maybe for the developers that would be setting up their flows and retool because it's such a broad kind of um, you know like surface area you guys are trying to cover. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is definitely, uh, especially from sort of like a, a product roadmapping standpoint, um, a real challenge. Uh, and it's our, our response to that has been, let's be horizontal. Let's sort of be open. Um, and, you know, it, it's sort of why uh, we embrace, as I said, the, the ability to write code anywhere, because that, that's where you become sort of like limitless. And so we have great smart defaults and great presets. And, you know, there's sort of this like low floor that is very accessible. Uh, and we, we say this internally a lot, right? Having a low floor and a high ceiling, um, you know, the ceiling should basically be unbounded uh, is the truth. Uh, but yeah, the, the range of even within the builder subset, right? You've got, excuse me, even within the builder subset, you've got folks who are, um, you know, more or less technical on the sense that like, maybe they're really great with SQL, but they're not so good with JavaScript or the inverse. Um, and so how can we make it so that you can uh, reach for something no matter where you find yourself in the stack or, you know, alternatively like partner, like we actually have some really great examples of um, uh, cross-functional teams, right? So a PM will come in and, and, and set up the layout for the tool that they're looking for. Uh, and then they'll hand it off to an engineer to go fill out sort of, uh, and maybe actually the PM will write the SQL as well, but they'll hand it off to the engineer to go uh, wire up all the conditional logic for sort of the button toggling, the ternaries, et cetera. Um, so we see that, um, and it, it is why we, when, when we struggle with that, we try and go as low level as possible and stay as horizontal as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we, we kind of, keep touching on this, like being able to write JavaScript anywhere because the developer uh, persona is so, you know, like important and so intrinsic to what retool is. Um, I'm going to ask kind of a tricky question here. Is there like, whenever you have code executing in like this hosted manner, like within a, within a SAS product like this, I feel like there's always, there's always some challenges that the, you know, you guys, the, 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 the platform that is executing this are brushing up against. Are there any any limitations that you guys have kind of recently tried to overcome or work around or anything recently that's come out in, in that JavaScript ecosystem specifically um, that is kind of new and cool and has empowered users? For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I sort of alluded to it earlier. The, the performance problem is um, historically, especially it's been a real one and we've spent... Uh, a lot of the last nine months or so improving it, uh, both from an execution context uh, in terms of executing JavaScript exactly as you said, but also in terms of uh, our logic for how we uh, render. Um, and so just trying to be as efficient as possible to batch when possible, to defer and delay when possible. Uh, and then also, you know, maybe uh, beyond just the technical, there's a lot of really interesting uh, product opportunities, right? So what we see today is the uh, platform or the, the product naturally pushes you to build really, really large sort of single page applications. And you, and you can bring in like a tab component um, and bring different 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 tabs in, but uh, it, it's not it's not intelligent, right? Like the the dependency graph that you're constructing when you're building your app is still sort of ultimately one large graph that needs to sort of be evaluated um, collectively. And so that, that's, that's, that is, is sort of the main challenge is how do you take that, that large graph and break it down? Um, and part of that is um, we don't have full control. Like at the end of the day, if, if a builder goes and, and creates a bunch of edges that are dependent on one particular node of evaluation, it is always going to be one large monolithic graph. Uh, but at the same time, there are things that we can do in terms of uh, helping you break out uh, into multiple pages um, and sort of think of a, a large, I don't know if, you're, if you've seen sort of like large support tools, uh, but the one that we had at Lyft, for example, was 
10 different pages, right? Comprising of, uh, you know, ride data and route data and, and, and user data and payment data. And obviously like your access control was, was dependent on the job to be done and everything was, was access logged and, and, and audited regularly. So there's a lot of sort of security and compliance around it. Um, but how do we help enable engineers to do that uh, and build a tool that complex? I would, you know, we have real plans there in terms of how we support multi-page. But zooming back to your sort of direct question, uh, the execution of uh, arbitrary code is is really complex. Again, we have a sandbox which allows us to uh, run natively, and a lot of our investments have been around um, reducing round trips to that sandbox, moving state into the sandbox, um, and and batching. Um, so you know, some some fun computer science for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sure that. Yeah, there are some tricky problems in there, but they're they're satisfying when you have those those moments. Um, so I, I feel like inevitably a lot of the the kind of use cases when people are bringing up tooling in this space are kind of kind of what we've talked about here, where it's like, oh, there's some data we need to like transform it, maybe like call another API, and then we end up handing it off to like an analytics team or like a support team. Are there other other cases um, that you guys kind of have found a lot of? Uh, companies have found um have used retool to find value in where it's, it's maybe like kind of not that narrative that we're we're so used to hearing uh so there's a few things that i would say there's definitely sort of the etl to analytics which which is you know bi said in, in, in different terms to be honest bi isn't sort of the, the primary thing that people come to us with a lot of it is uh admin consoles and, and support tools like i mentioned um so it's it's you know, probably through an API, but it's it's direct access to underlying user user data. Um, it's also joining uh, distinct services together, which which we've always found really compelling. So you can imagine like a, a refund tool uh, for customer support when people write in, and that joins sort of uh, your user store to your payment processor, Stripe, for example. Um, we see people leveraging it in sort of a notification workflow as well. Um, and that's actually something with with workflows that that product that I mentioned that we're seeing more of is. Uh, more sort of asynchronous processing. Uh, so you might have multi-steps, you know, procurement flows is, is probably a naive example here, but multi-steps in a workflow that terminates in some sort of action or um, something happens uh, and you want to pull somebody into uh, into a web app. So uh, a big customer signs up uh, and you want to pull them into a UI uh, to see how they're using uh, the the your, your product, your, your, um, your platform. Uh, and so that, that's sort of another specific example. I mean, I think it, it kind of leads leads to another question as well of um, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of entities out there where, or businesses maybe that could leverage a lot of value from, from something like retool. They just don't, they don't really know the right question to ask to get retool or a tool like it given to them as an answer. How do you guys like, I guess, do you think about that problem at all about like expanding the market out of these kind of more tech companies who have like, you know, devs who are looking at the, this tooling space and thinking about application development and kind of, you know, systems at a high enough level where they realize that a tool like retool could be useful? Yeah, I mean, I will say just maybe on a, a clarifying point there, uh, we have pretty much all, all of our customers have developers, but we do have companies that I think fall out of the sort of uh, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, venture-backed tech business. Um, specifically, like, you know, we, we see, uh, we, we have JLL uh, as a logo, and they really use us for sort of a lot of their, a lot of their agents. Um, and so I, I think the, the thing that I would ask, right, is 
what does your business need to be more efficient on the margin? That might be a more effective support team. That might be a more effective field agent team. Uh, that might be more insight into your uh, core underlying engines and systems, like we sort of talked about with the with the Lyft example. Uh, that might be better proximity to your customers, uh, right? And having sort of like lower latency loops. We talk about this actually a lot in the context of Retool. Uh, one of the things that made Retool really effective is that David and Anthony, our founders, uh, were really, really on top of customer signups. Uh, and people would sign up and there would be sort of this this app, I think internally it was called Big Fish Swimming. Um, and it would immediately notify them and they would be on the phone with the customer within within an hour. Uh, and so you can see work uh, Retool not only triggering sort of the, uh, asynchronous, someone signed up, but then pulling you into an app to allow you to explore more about how they're using your product. Um, but I think, I mean, like anything in software, it's sort of up to the imagination. I go back to to some of the tools that, that I've built in the past, and I, I don't think there was any sort of prior art on them. We were just faced with a big, uh, a big open question, which is, uh, what don't we know? Right or or what aren't we seeing or what aren't we exploring? Um, and that that is what we ended up sort of marching towards. And I think Retool really is is just a uh, accelerant to arriving at that at that destination. Um, nice. Uh, that, that, I think that's that's a great answer. And yeah, I again, I, w- I wasn't like trying to to I don't know paint you guys into too much of a corner. Like oh, you're only only working you know only useful at Silicon Valley companies right now. Or those are the only customer base currently um but again i just feel like when we're kind of in in this in this realm of tooling um you know it's like that those those tech forward companies who are always looking for little marginal increases in efficiency and like how can we cut out any necessary you know internal resources um they like look for it but i think that the traditional um model of like you know, you have a SaaS company that isn't in quite as abstract a field. It's easy to see the marketing path forward or easier, right? It's like, oh, we kind of know these are our target. This is our target business. We kind of, this is how we're going to try to sell to them. But with something like Retool, where it's just so like open and it's like, we're really just trying to kind of make it easier for businesses to have internal tooling for, you know, like, like support teams or um, like just admin panels at all. Like you said, um, I, I feel like that would kind of be a, a, a tricky, a tricky thing to just kind of market towards and use for like product direction um, and everything like that. Totally. Yeah. I think one thing that's hard, I mean, it's, it's a really good question. Again, a good point. Um, I think what's tricky about expanding into sort of the broader uh, product ecosystem um, is uh, frankly, you know, the attention to detail and pixel perfect control that companies want uh, is is elevated, um, and I think that you know the beauty of the of the internal tool space is again that it is really underserved and underserviced, uh, and I think it's not again it's not just even you know we were talking we, a lot of the conversation today which has been amazing by the way has been around um, sort of as you said ops and support. But sometimes it's even about internal processes. So we actually just saw this right now uh, with one of our customers, and we just pulled it in house as well, which is a lot of companies run like a you know, people performance process, right? Calibration. Uh, and the tools for that, uh, specifically the calibration exercise, are generally underserved. You know, you got lattice for for how to conduct one-on-ones or how to do performance management broadly. But when you're in that room and, you know, you've got sort of managers sitting around and trying to assess um, how the company overall is performance, the tools are actually quite lacking. And so we empowered our people ops team uh, with Retool recently. 
and allowed them to build a tool to better conduct the process that they believe retool needs. And so what's really compelling about this is, you know, if you zoom out, it allows companies to operate the way that they want to. It's very hard to imagine that a calibration tool could exist in a one size fits all manner. Um, and that's where retool is effective because you, you, you aren't locked into somebody's perception of what, um, of what people ops should look like. You can build it for your needs. Uh, but you are right that like the, the Delta between, uh, external product facing and sort of how obvious it is to know that, oh, I need to build X, Y, Z for my, for my end customer versus internal applications, uh, and, and what internal use cases, it's a little bit harder to come up with. Um, that's, that's generally true. But I think that there is a real arbitrage uh, in terms of how underserviced and underinvested internal tools is. And that's what leads to sort of like, even when these tools are built, you know, we talked about this earlier, the, the product is crufty, right? The, the artifact built is not at the same engineering caliber as what the traditional uh, customer product would be for, for, for companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no tests on it. A lot of the time it's like, we've got to get this out the door. It's an internal tool. Yeah. 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 Get get out the door, move on to the next thing. Right. And so that, that's, that is a beautiful place for us to play because uh, in, indeed it's, you know, we allow you to do more with less and we allow you to sort of build it in a way that is actually sort of maintainable uh, for the long run. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's perfect. Yeah. I think, I think that's an interesting, it's an interesting um, kind of perspective to have in that, like, yeah, you're like trying to attack this thing. Um, you, you use that, you use the, the, the term that there's, uh, there's like, it's hard to find a tool that is well calibrated for like a specific business, a specific use case. Cause like there's so many little modalities and things that are different, even in businesses that are like in the same sector doing the same thing. It's like, yeah, but they use some other people management tool and the way that that pipes data in just isn't there. So I think you end up a lot of the times with these like little bespoke software companies are trying to do some particular thing, but it's always like, yeah, but it's off the shelf. It's not that great. It's not that big a company. They're serving a very small market because we're in such a bespoke um, space that, um, yeah, kind of like trying to make, to, to, to play in this space of like, you know, more general internal tooling that can be configured to solve these problems. Like, I think that that is a very cool notion. Um, and again, I, I think it's exciting that we're kind of getting into this space where it doesn't always take a developer to like go and do a ton of work to get there, but we can use the power that a developer brings to like kind of just really fine tune these processes to get them where they need to be. Um, yeah, so that's super cool to see. I guess, yeah, so you mentioned a little bit before, I, I want to talk about some of the new stuff that you kind of, we, we brushed over at the beginning of our conversation. Um, I think Retool Mobile was one you mentioned. What's what's different there versus the traditional offering? Yeah, so, I mean, Retool Mobile is actually, you know, there, there's two classes of problems. There's sort of the, I want to take my internal tool, my admin console, my my dashboard on the go. Um, and, and you can do that today, right? You can, you can build basically a responsive, you're not going to need to build it. You, you can get a responsive version of an app with one click, which is again, just a really sort of nice abstraction, um, and a point of leverage, right? Rather than having somebody go and build some responsive version, you, you get it for free. Um, retool mobile is a little bit different. We're specifically targeting, uh, field workers, uh, and folks who are mobile first. Um, and so you can think about, uh, warehouse employees or bike share operators, right? These are internal to the company. It's still sort of an internal use case, uh, but it's more in the field, uh, as opposed to sort of behind uh, a laptop. And so, um, it's, it's compelling on a number of different fronts. And again, if we talk about retool more generally as a way to get engineering leverage and a way to generate abstractions, one really amazing abstraction with retool mobile is like you get a native app deployed to all app stores immediately. 
because it is basically served through a, a white label retool app that's already available. And so immediately you're already deployed to as many phones as you want across both platforms or, you know, uh, iOS and, and Android um, fully natively, uh, React Native, but uh, you get a native app. Uh, the other thing that is is particularly compelling is sort of the native first support. So think about things like offline mode or barcode scanning, um, things that you would need if you are sort of uh, field enabled um, or field first more, more accurately. Uh, and so you get that in sort of a first class way with, with Retool Mobile, um, which is particularly exciting as well. Um, yeah, I think that the the application is is sort of nuanced and different, but it requires sort of that mobile first approach as opposed to the responsive web equivalent. Um, and it just creates for sort of a more seamless product. Yeah, I guess, did you guys kind of, um, when, when you were, when you were figuring this out, was there, were there a lot of discussions on like, if, if breaking out into a dedicated mobile app was the right way to go versus just trying to like, you know, juice up the, the web version to support some of these more mobile first features? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, absolutely. And I think what, what really, uh, sort of, if you, if what, what broke the runoff there was the fact that we really felt like we did not want to do, um, write twice run anywhere. In other words, you shouldn't have to build sort of a form or a tool in retool web and retool mobile just to make it mobile accessible. But we believe that if there is sort of this distinct class of users that is different, uh, a, a native mobile experience would actually be uh, a better one for them. Um, and the interaction effects are actually pretty cool, right? You can imagine, for example, um, a, a bike uh, repair fleet that is managed uh, by someone sort of in HQ. Uh, and now you can have a retool web app that can uh, send out native notifications uh, to sort of these mobile clients. Uh, and so that interaction between sort of some large admin console that has uh, omniscient view of all bikes in a, in, a, in a city and all operators and all sort of repair folks, and you can sort of dispatch jobs and, and notify people natively, and then that, go, that flows through Retool Mobile. To me, that's, that's a really cool uh, sort of reinforcing uh, narrative there. Um, but, but what really, what really sort of, uh, to, to your question specifically, what, what made us want to make the dedicated investment is that we felt like this uh, end user group is distinct and the builders that serve that end user group would be building in a different way. They wouldn't be building web apps that were responsive, right? They'd be building mobile apps. Um, and that's certainly what we've seen sort of validated in the market as well. Nice. Yeah, that, 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 that makes a lot of sense to me. Is there, um, like, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like uh, this is a, a somewhat peculiar question maybe, but do you guys envision a future where there are um, employees who are not retool employees, but they're like so specialized in retool that that is kind of like they are, you know, like retool contractors. I'm thinking of like how Salesforce kind of transformed like that whole, you know, like that, the whole sales space. Right. And now we have like, it's cause it was kind of in the same space, right. Where it's like, Oh, you can kind of bring your own, do your own thing. And there's like, you can write code and do your own front ends and bring in all these integrations. And it, I, I'm not trying to like say, you guys are doing the same thing, but it's kind of, we kind of wound up in this space where it's because we had, it was highly customizable for a long time. Businesses found themselves in places where they needed someone who was an expert in the customizations that had been built for one reason or another. Do you guys think that that is a like potential future of retool? Yeah. So, I mean, what I'll say is I think we view it 
in so far as it's sort of like a two-way door. I, th- I think like we don't want to end up in a world where the only people who can use Retool are sort of these uh, specialists uh, that are the Retool only, right? And and we try to embrace, um, you know, again, it's, it's an open platform. As we talked about earlier, you can sort of bring JavaScript in and, and be off to the races and, and really import sort of prior art uh, directly and, and have that sort of uh, work easily and seamlessly as well. Uh, but that being said, I, I do think that we we do hope that Retool is a is is a that there are people who are just more capable of, of operating Retool because they have that prior experience with Retool, and that becomes an asset. Um, you know, exactly like you said with, with Salesforce, where you hire folks into sales companies that are just really good at customizing Salesforce, and that's an asset. Um, Obviously, we we hope that Retool becomes the way that all internal tools are built, right? Which is which is really ambitious, and we're very far from that. Just to be totally clear, um, but within that framing, I think there will be if we're if you know if we're successful in that, and, and we hope we are, uh, there will be people who really specialize, and that's what they're that's what they spike in. Um, again, we hope that it's a two way door in the sense that like you don't have to be that person to be successful in Retool. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, real quick, I wanted to do a quick shout. Um, anybody who's listening, if you're digging the podcast, uh, can you like or subscribe on your on your platform of choice? Share, keep us going. Uh, like, you know, send us a signal as to what you're digging, so we can keep bringing cool um, people on, like Sneer, to talk about what they're building. Um, uh, anyway, so I kind of want to ask a couple more questions about your your guys's kind of journey, and then we'll we'll wrap up here about like what what's coming down the pipe. But uh, how have you? Um, kind of grown grown the team over time at retool how do you how do you guys turn that dial that dial effectively to not go too fast but to continue scaling at a reasonable level yeah that's a really good question um i I think directionally we know we're doing it well because you know even in spite of a lot of what's going on sort of in the in the macro market uh we're still going to be growing engineering uh meaningfully for for years to come uh, I think it begins with the fact that it was a it was a deficit for a while. I, I, I again I recall joining, seeing thirteen engineers, visualizing how big this product can be, seeing these opportunities that are adjacent, being like, oh, we got we have to scale. Uh, so so we've gone from uh, thirteen to answer the question directly. We've gone from about thirteen to seventy in the last year and a half. Uh, so a lot of growth. And I think that's pretty much the asymptote of growth rate, uh, because at the end of the day, if you think about that, um, you know, just last quarter, I think we had some teams that were literally doubling within the quarter, which is kind of crazy. It means that every person on the team is onboarding somebody new, and that doesn't give you a lot of redundancy. And I think you want to be—you certainly don't want to be in a place where every every person on the team is onboarding more than one person. That would be sort of crazy. Um, and so I, I think having. Uh, grown incredibly quickly. Uh, the team is really productive. We always keep an eye on that. And we sort of want to be in a position where um, my heuristic is you want people to uh, have the opportunity to be sort of uh, over-allocated, where there's like more work than they can take on is, is a better place to be than when there's not enough work. Where there's not enough work uh, or, or people are looking around saying like the roadmap doesn't feel compelling or where do I drive impact? That's where you start to see uh, sort of layoffs and things of that nature, which obviously we do not ever want to do. Um, so on a go-forward basis, I, I still think we're in this crazy position where you look at a product like mobile, that was built by two engineers. You look at a product like like uh, Retool DB, Retool Database, that was built by one engineer. You look at a product like Workflows, also built by two engineers. And these are massive, massive, massive opportunities. 
Uh, and so it's specifically in those areas that we see um, a lot of asymmetric growth, but even the core product, right? Um, up until six months ago, the core product team that was supporting everything we've talked about in terms of component, connectors, layout, um, the editor, the inspector that we have, debug tools, that cohesive group was nine folks. Um, so we are just, I think historically, we have been uh, very uh, under-resourced. And so um, turning that dial, you know, again, we don't want to be irresponsible with it. We want to make sure that people have a, a lot of impactful work that they can that they can do. Um, the last thing I'll say on this point is what's really neat about Retool is it's an engineer's tool. Like the best folks to comment about where it can go or what it's missing or what it can do is, is us, right? Like is engineers. And so um, on some level, uh, you know, there is sort of a, a real opportunity to bring more great thinkers who can, who can have that shared vision with us, build that path together. Um, so we're always looking to do that. Um, the last thing I'll say that might be interesting is, you know, we've taken a little bit of an anti-pattern approach and we are in person three days a week. Uh, and we have three distinct offices, Seattle, San Francisco, and New York. Um, but we have found that that has been uh, really positive for us. Uh, coming back, we started about a month and a half ago. Um, and so all of our growth will be in in those three cities and those in those offices. Nice. Yeah, I think it is that, that kind of the previous point you touched on about like working on working on tooling for a, you know, potential or for a for a persona that is you is, is like a huge privilege. Like it's such a nice place to be. We kind of have that as, as well with LogRock. And it's just like it's so nice to be able to look at a thing and understand what the users are probably going to be doing because you are one of them. Like that is not a benefit that a lot of devs have. And, and for me, what's cool is it, it actually it's funny. It cuts both ways. I used to joke, you know, um, I love Lyft to be clear. I had an amazing time there. Uh, my mom has opinions about what the Lyft product should be, right? Uh, on some dimension, like everybody has a point of view on what on what Lyft should look like. And I think having a you know earned secret, if you will, right, which is by nature of sort of being a, a builder or an engineer or developer, um, you have a point of view on what retool can be or should be, um, and that earned secret is really powerful. Um, so, so I, I sort of love that that connection for for our team and for our product. Nice. Awesome. Well, I guess, yeah, to wrap up, what are you kind of excited about um, either at Retool or just kind of in the development space at large kind of in the next in the next year or so? Um, I mean, at Retool, I really think it's sort of this this horizontalization. I don't know if that's actually a word, but sort of the expansion into um, really adjacent products. And to me, it represents the entire MVC stack of app development, right? Right now we're very much in the in the view layer where we've got the V locked down, uh, but the M and the C we're, we're actively working on. And so I'm excited to see sort of that, that all come together, both for standalone value, but also for sort of these uh, reinforcing and interactive effects between the different products. Um, more broadly, I think there's just a lot of cool stuff happening in industry. Um, you know, it goes without saying that a lot of the uh, AI generated stuff is, is top of mind today, both uh, code, but also images and, and, and layout. And I think it's just another example, um, again, thematically consistent with Retool, where people will end up doing more creative work, right? And people will end up doing less mechanical work or repetitious work. We'll have abstracted the things that are um, that are sort of easier to do because those can be taken care of by by a machine, and, and people will be more responsible for for the creative parts, for for the journey, for how it feels to interact with products, for whether it culturally identifies with their organization. Um, so I, I think that that to me is what that movement in part represents. And I, I think you know, even though we're we're not AI generated, I think we we have some similarities there. 
Uh, and then obviously there's a, there's a ton of really cool stuff happening uh, technically. Um, you know, I'll, I'll pick on, I guess, WebAssembly here. I'm, I'm excited to sort of explore that uh, more thoroughly. Yeah, nice, nice, very cool. I guess is there is there anything uh, in particular you'd point our point our listeners to to go to go check out? Uh, I mean, selfishly with, with Retool, yeah, you should you should browse our our, our product catalog. Uh, you know, <laughs> retool.com slash product slash database or slash mobile at the end or slash workflows just to sort of see what we're up to. Um, I, I think those are pretty compelling, especially for, for if you're familiar with the core product. Um, but but other than that, um, no, just you know. Google search uh, superficially. Sure. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, that's that's all I got. So thank you so much for uh, coming on to chat with us here. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs>